0: Good evening, Patriots. And tonight is the end of Thursday, May 4th, in the year 2023. And it has been a day. So I'm going to give you some updates real quick as we started going here on Bards Fest, and then we're going to dig in just to a little bit on some of the perspectives on some of the challenges we're facing here and ahead. We had a pretty good show last hour, if you didn't catch that, that was a I can just tell you from my own perspective, you know when the Holy Spirit steps in on your show, I'll tell you, because it just wipes you out. And that's pretty much what happened at the end of last show. So obviously something good was going on there. But before we begin, Patriots, do make sure that you're taking care of the essentials. And right now, food is a weapon, and they want to use food as a weapon against us and we need to make sure that we have good solid basis for preparations and that means having long term food supplies that are available to you that will have long shelf lives so that you don't have to worry about and my patriot supplies is one of the best patriots with all the danger out there in today's world many americans are concerned about the very real possibility of prolonged food shortages that's why i urge everyone to secure a supply of long term emergency food while you still can. And I highly recommend you choose My Patriot Supply as your supplier. They're the nation's largest preparedness company. And right now they're offering a special deal when you buy their three month emergency food kit, which lasts up to 25 years in storage. With each kit you order, you'll receive a bonus package of crucial survival gear worth over $200 for free. The three month emergency food kit guarantees your family will have peace of mind during a disaster. And the survival gear will help you be even more prepared. The kit includes breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks with over 2,000 calories a day. Best of all, this food is tasty. Your whole family will love it. To get your emergency food and your free survival gear worth over $200, go to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Patriots, there's no time to waste. No time at all this southern border crisis is growing and it's becoming more prescient by the moment. Of course, the way to handle that from a political perspective is just deny it. And that's what everyone's doing up in D.C. And it's really what's happening all over. There's a lot of things right now in our world that are really shaking up. I was reading before the show some supposed statistics and they claim they're from Oregon. I doubt it, but... They claim that about 80% of Oregonians believe in abortion. And as much as I want to not believe that, the problem is that ever since we saw the, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, we've seen very little state-level action that's been able to succeed. Now, some of that is the fact that the election systems are rigged. The other is that so many politicians are bought off and owned by the, this uh, demonic world. But we're not seeing the protection of children as anything important in this nation. In fact, we're continuing to see that move forward into the opposite direction. And sadly, that is going to lead us to a point of judgment as a nation. We will be judged as a nation. And we will be judged in our lifetimes, in my opinion, because we just refuse to understand the importance of protecting life. And and that's the way it seems to work. Because I think people drift so far apart that we've lived in such a me culture that people just can't imagine not having the right to do what they want to do. There's no sanctity in marriage. There's no sanctity in sex. There's no sanctity in any of that. It's just what I want to do. And ultimately, it comes down to both parties. The man wants no responsibility to getting a woman pregnant, and the woman wants no responsibility for spreading her legs. And both of them just want immediate pleasure and satiation for that and they don't want the consequences. And if they do have the consequences, they want to have the right to be able to abort it and move on and pretend it didn't happen. In that sense, when we start to look at a a human race like that, we really, there isn't a lot of room for that type of existence in this world. We're the only creatures that don't believe in reproductive in protecting the birth and reproductions process. And unfortunately what we've migrated to psychologically and it's happened increasingly is a broader acceptance that there's other ways we can get pregnant. Obviously we're trying to fight back but we're witnessing the mainstreaming of men getting pregnant which is an absolute insanity. And we're seeing the other issue of birthing clinics, which are now on the rise to where you don't have to deal with the, the difficulties or inconveniences from a woman's point of view of carrying a child. You can just have it incubated and pick it up at the lab or grown for you or in even in some visions where you'll be able to bring that gestation unit into your home and watch the baby grow as part of your family entertainment, I guess. It's a pretty sick statement on what's happened in our world. And I guess I should back up because I don't know that it's our world, though it probably is bigger than that. I mean, as big as the world, but it definitely is this country and it definitely is the Western world. So when we look across this board and we look at the fact that the Western world is basically in collapse right now, and it is a time when we've watched it gutted both from a moral point of view, from a population growth point of view, from an economic point of view. And we really do have the haves and the have nots. We're really witnessing an end of that world and whatever's replacing it it reminds me a great deal of of Hosea. I I think it's Hosea. I may be wrong on that. I'll have to look it up. And we'll go over that probably tomorrow night. But the prophecy of when Israel was, going to be savagely ravaged by the forces of Babylon. I think that's Habakkuk, sorry, Habakkuk. And it was just a matter of fact that God was going to let that happen because the people had lost their way so much there was no way of bringing them back. I don't wish to prophesy in any way the or suggest prophecy of that sort of gloom, but from a logical point of view, We really have to ask ourselves what it's going to take to bring this nation to its knees and start to realize that the me generation has to die and there has to be a humbling before God. And unfortunately, the corruption in that thinking is deep and it's been very well indoctrinated and there's just no sense of accountability in this generation in this period in time in which we live. That idea of having sanctity of marriage, sanctity of life is becoming increasingly rare as far as a broader point of view and it's sad it really is churches have had a pulpit fight with abortion but the actual activism on the ground has never been significant and we've lost that battle from a faith point of view on so many levels and youth have been lured over to the side of believing in literally abortion as a birth control, which is a really dark way to walk. Nothing in the animal kingdom works that way. Nothing in God's world works that way except us, which is to say that if it's not working as God's world is designed, that means that humanity in general, and this is a kind of a broad brush, has, those who follow that path of saying life is not sacred, they have walked away from Father. They're, they're not walking with God. And I don't care who you are or where your position is. If that's a position you hold, that abortion is a choice, then you're no longer walking with God. And the media is an instrumental part of this, as we know very well. We are in a time of great confusion. And unfortunately, a lot of people looking to for things of where our They're trying to look at things pragmatically. They're trying to uh, apply trust where trust doesn't exist. And they're trying to put order to institutions that were never designed to be for our best interest, but rather for the subjugation of humanity to the greater wills and interests of those that worship Baal, Moloch, and Lucifer himself. So this is a real difficult time to witness. And I think that ultimately I do believe that those that are holding fast and true in their faith will be protected. And I don't think there's any question about that. It doesn't mean that it will be easy in the walk ahead. And I am definitely not going to be one that's going to paint rosy pictures about things to try to alleviate truth because truth sometimes is the only way through. And this is what we're facing. Obviously, we're being very well shaped by a media institution that is definitely pushing for an invasion mentality, to push fear, like they want to push fear for a nuclear war, like they want to push fear for the invasion of the South border, like they want to push fear anywhere they can, like fear of the Christian male. Anything they can do to divide and conquer is what they will do. And most of this is centered at the root of all evil, which is money. And they have no problem creating a pillaging of people's savings, pillaging of people's retirements, which is what people count on, and then turning around and blaming the people for it. And they'll blame things like bank runs and they'll blame things like poor economy, poor consumer reports, because apparently we're responsible for not buying enough junk we don't need. But be very clear, the criminals are those that are running the institutions and there's fewer of them than us. And that's where we have to get smart about all of this. But it's definitely time for us to start making some hard decisions. Now I want to deviate just a little bit and talk a little bit about Bart's Fest, And we'll get back on track here in a second. Bart's Fest tickets uh, should be on sale tomorrow morning. I said Wednesday. We had a couple delays. Should be on sale tomorrow morning. We've sold some already. And we'll get those people accommodated for because everyone's going to need a ticket. And fortunately, I've got emails from people. And we can email them and let them know. Um, this is the first one is going to be in Yuba City. It's going to be it's about four weeks away, so we've got a lot of work to do yet to get everything in order. Things are coming together pretty well, and it's going to be a high speed putting together things in the coming weeks. And I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a nice event. It's going to be very different than the original Bard's Fest, and it's going to be a um, it's going to be a more based type approach. We're definitely focusing on more worship and we're definitely focused on, um, more breaking bread and being together. That's really kind of the center point. We're not bringing in all the bands like we did last time. The speakers are been very well selected, um, we do have some really good people coming in, and I'm excited. And you'll be able to see all that on the website here pretty quick. And encourage everybody you can come. We're doing the same thing as we've done before, which is it's a donation-based event. Um, we do have a recommended donation of hundred dollars a person, and that you can. But we also encourage if you can, if you feel so inclined and you want to donate to help others, that would be great. We don't want to limit anybody. Is my point. And if you can't afford a ticket or so, you know, just do what you can and we want you there. That's the biggest thing. We do have a cap of 900 people at this event in Yuba City. And that's just the nature of the venue. But we'll, I think we'll do very well with the people that are coming. And so I look forward to having everybody there. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good event and there's going to be some good things going on. We need it. And I think that's kind of the thing i i I will be very honest. As we've gone through this planning of Bars Fest, it, it has not been easy this season, um, just by the nature of a lot of the moving parts that have to be put together. Uh, the team we put together is now really solid, and I'm very happy with it. We've had to pull together. We all we are all busy right now, and that's one thing that's very true. So everyone is taxed. But I've realized the importance of this event and prayer just why it's so important and why events like this are going to continue to be so important because it is truly, they are going to be the fires of revival and fires of righteousness that people need to get re-energized. And in so doing, it's going to be the part of this that is necessary for all of us to really keep ourselves focused in in what's ahead. I'm going to read you, this will be on the website, but I want to read this to you to kind of give you a perspective of where my head's at with BardsFest. And remember, there's more than one this year. So BardsFest is, as, as I've created, is somewhat of a tagline for this, awakening the warriors and the shepherds for a time such as this. We live in a time where evil walks openly in our world. The warriors and shepherds of Christ are being called to make a stand. It is time to gather and to hear the words of Father that inspire the hearts of the righteous. Bart's Fest is about fellowship, families, breaking bread, and lighting the campfires to bring the soldiers together and replenish the spirit and the faith in Jesus. Each day will be filled with speakers, Filled with the Holy Spirit to empower and to inspire. And each night will be a coming together to share in a meal, pray, and worship in the Father. We are being called to take a stand. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will injure you. To be be bold and to wield the power of the Holy Spirit. John 14:12 Truly truly I say to you the one who believes in me the work the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the father and to see the greater wisdom of our father Jeremiah 6:16 6, Thus says the Lord stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Patriots, this is a, a real critical time for us to make decisions in a way that many of us perhaps never thought we would have to. It's a decision point where we have to really come together, and we're going to have to make decisions for what our life in this time and place is worth and what it's for. I have walked an interesting path the Father has put me on. I've shared a lot of it here. I have grown up in a world where I could never, I've tried for a short time and it failed miserably working in a corporate environment. I have Pursued a life built around starting my own businesses, and I've been successful at that. I've used the trades and gifts and talents that my father passed on to me in carpentry and construction and other areas. And I've built a successful business out of that. I've used the gifts and passions that father gave me to tell stories with film and media, and I've built several businesses out of that. And I've walked in places from living all over the, the country to living across the world to working in the Department of Defense to walking in the in the valleys of war. And it's given me a interesting perspective on where we sit in these days. I would say that never had I imagined in my youth that in my younger years, that we would be in a time where we are right now. And there's an optimistic side of me that still pokes at me. There is, it says that you know, something bigger and better is coming. and I And I truly do believe that because I do believe that we will overcome. But there's a very pragmatic side that's the boots-on-the-ground warrior that looks at what's before him and realizes that before we can start enjoying the sunset or the sunrise, there's a whole lot of enemy between there and where we stand. This enemy is in a frenzy right now. I saw a glimpse of it back in 2008 when Obama first was elected, and the election. At the time of the election, Arianna Huffington, who ran the Huffington Post, reached out to me and asked me if I would write a perspective piece on the election from a war zone. So I did, and I broke it up into two pieces. One was a perspective on those that supported Obama, and another was a perspective on those that did not support Obama. I anonymized the soldiers' names, but I gave their true and honest reactions to the election process. And both articles ended the same way. Both articles said that it didn't matter in the end who our president was, we would still do our duty per the president and serve our nation per his will. Pretty straightforward. Those articles were recognized by the office of public affairs in the, in Afghanistan as some of the best journalism ever put out as a perspective of honesty in soldiers. And that I appreciated. But when they went online, and this was in 2008, and when they were posted on the Huffington Post, which is a liberal rag, let me be clear. And I'm probably the only conservative you will ever know that was regularly published on the front page of the Huffington Post. And I think part of it is they just got so much traffic off of my stuff because the liberals were such hating vipers, even as much as they are today. But the truth is that I never anticipated seeing such venom come from people in such a mass and volume. Now, one could argue that some of that was bots, and it's possible they were. But that is hard to say exactly. What we do know is that there were 25, over 2,500 comments made in the first 24 hours to the article, to the first article, which was for those that were against, not in position of supporting Obama. And there was at least... Twelve or fifteen hundred articles of venom that were pitched against the person who supported Obama. So here's the great irony: the first, the soldier that supported Obama was black, and they hated him as much as they hated the others, because he was a soldier, because he was in Afghanistan, because well, I don't know, whatever else, other reason. The hatefulness of this culture is been brewing for years, it's been being incubated, it's been festering, it's been a metastasized cancer that's been growing under the surface of this country and out of view for most of us. And so what has happened in this day is we have finally seen it come to the surface. And as it comes to the surface, I think it shocks a lot of people. We, we find ourselves very much stunned by the level of hatred and venom that's there. That same hatred and venom was there in the Vietnam War. It was fueled and by agencies like the CIA in cooperation with intelligence officers from the CCP and even intelligence officers at the time from the KGB and Soviet Union. They were working in cahoots together and probably MI6 as well would be my guess and probably Israeli Mossad. We've never really had control of our country when we thought we did. And we've had things orchestrated against us to create trauma and shock and ultimately scar a nation to make us believe that we can't get back to where we started and to always try to push us forward in a direction that was opposite of where the Founding Fathers intended for us to go. The carnage of that still exists and unfortunately, as we've watched people migrate away from the Constitution, we equally watch the pulpit move away from the Scriptures, and they stop teaching the strength in the message of Christ, the Warrior Christ, and they begin teaching the the marshmallow version of that, the love everything, forgive everything, accept everyone perspective, and that unfortunately has been a major major problem to where we are today. So the issue is right now we have a lot of decisions to make and those decisions aren't going to be easy and it's not going to be popular and it means that we're going to have to start by understanding that many times the right thing puts us at odds with those in power and those that are part of the sheep. That's going to feel like isolation at some points. It's going to feel that as you stand there, you're going to feel at times perhaps alone and you're going to be looked at as a heretic or a fool. We definitely know that there's more and more people awakening, but as the momentum of chaos approaches, people will seek the easiest path. It's a natural state of being. Take the villager in Afghanistan who digs a hole for an IED. There's many villagers that never want to do harm to anybody. Afghanistan is not a violent culture, to be clear. We don't have that endemic in the Afghanistan profile. In the civil war of Afghanistan that occurred after the Soviet occupation, there was a French journalist that filmed the fighting of the streets. And it's really almost comical to watch. There's this idea that the Afghans have that if they just fire a rifle downrange, it doesn't matter how they aim. If the round is intending to hit somebody, Allah will guide it in. And so precision is not part of the game. So in some of this footage that was filmed, During the Civil War, they would literally just be shooting mass amounts of rounds in their general direction. And then they would call a truce for a moment. They would call a shura, which they call a shura, which is like a town meeting. And they would sit down and they would break bread and drink tea, chai to be specific. They love their chai. And they would try to come to an agreement. And if they didn't come to an agreement, then they would each pick up their things and go their own way each back to their own sides and they would start shooting again and they would just put this cycle on repeat and just keep doing it over and over. But the actual body count wasn't as high as it was in, in other wars, like in, when we came in. But the Afghans themselves don't tend to be a violent people. And I'm bringing this up for a particular reason, but desperation breeds violence. Desperation breeds acts that you would never expect to cease from somebody. And it's the sort of desperation that you see and how easy it is for those with malintentions to manipulate people. When a, in a society like Afghanistan, which I believe we're approaching that sort of chaos, and we're already starting to see it, we're seeing desperation with the homeless, we're seeing desperation with people upside down in bills, facing ec- eviction out of their homes, consequences of three years of brutal medical tyranny and so forth. People are doing everything they can to hold themselves together, but finally something flips. It's then that the that the predators step in. It's then that they come in and they step in and they take care of recruitment because they use these people, whether it's to be a mule for something, whether it's to be a in the sense of Afghanistan, whether it's to take that person and tell them that you have a choice we'll either rape and kill your wife in front of your family, or you can dig a hole for us so that we can plant an IED to blow up the Americans. And that's ultimately what they'll choose. And of course, from a perspective of war, things get very convoluted because we tend to put all the blame on the hole digger as much as we put the blame on the bomb maker. And there's a lot of innocence in there by circumstance. I've dealt with this a lot. I mean, this was a lot of where my work was, was in that village level with special forces teams to understand the real motives of the threat. And unfortunately, we're going to start seeing that here, and we already are in certain ways. And this is why I've highlighted both the warrior and the shepherd piece for Bardsfest. The warrior understands the point of the spear from a position of martyrdom, from a position of ruthlessness, from a position of fearlessness, and uncompromising push. And you need that in war. You need those on the point of the spear, that regardless of what it costs, they will pursue that enemy and they will eliminate the enemy or they will seek victory at any cost. And that's unnecessary. And that may sound in conflict with scripture, I would only add to that to be clear that when we speak of that here, and I'm referring to that, that's a warrior who is very committed to the voice of God, but is also willing to understand that there may be a sacrifice they need to make and hold judgment for in order to do the right thing in this world. And that's part of being in the warrior walk. David was both a warrior and a shepherd. The shepherd's an interesting one. It's a great story that was shared with me the other day. And I want to share it here. There is a principle of the shepherd that's really important. There's a number of stories, but this particular one is something worth remembering. When a a sheep has a lamb, once in a while they'll reject it. They'll kick it out. And regardless of what happens, they will not accept that lamb back. And that lamb, that baby lamb, will be absolutely broken. Its head will be low. It will. Its whole body posture will be down. There's nothing that can, it, it will feel like it has lost its life. And I say that because that's a true emotion of an animal that loves, it's tied to its mother. Again, something that in a culture where we abort babies as a regular practice, we've long forgotten. The shepherd, though, when he finds that, will take that lamb in. The shepherd will feed the lamb through a bottle. The shepherd will wrap the lamb in a blanket and hold it tight. The shepherd will nurse the lamb. And the shepherd will raise that lamb up until it can be strong enough to return to the flock. And when the shepherd comes out and calls for the lambs, the ones that will always come to him will be those that were nurtured by him. They will always lead. And remember, sheep follow. They don't. They follow the flock. It's important for us to remember that on a couple of levels. Right now, many of us may feel, many of people out here feel rejected by this culture. They re- Rejected by a government. I talked to somebody this morning, even that was talking about how difficult it is for them as a veteran to deal with a government that has become totally tyrannical and how betrayed they feel. We've felt betrayed by family, we felt betrayed by friends, we've had a lot of separation. But the one thing we have learned in this walk is how warm and nurturing Father is. And we have learned through that process, that he's always been there. He nurtured us. He was with us. He stood with us during this entire last three years. And it gave us the foundation to face what's coming next. And that's one of the profound things right there. We know when he calls, we hear and will come. We've learned his voice. We've learned what it is to walk with him. We've learned what it is to hear him. We've learned what it is to trust him. And the thing to remember is chaos is an interesting point. People will do insane things in chaos and desperation. But equally, in the midst of all that, those that are mighty in their walk of righteousness will end up drawing those that are wandering towards them. And that's a good thing. Each one of us, as we are positioned in this world, has been given a position of leadership, whether you realize it or not. The leadership is anchored in your position in faith and your love in Christ. And whether or not you intended to be a leader or whether or not you know anything about leadership is really irrelevant because the leadership principles we're talking about here emanate in your love in Jesus and the trust in the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that Father passes on. Much of that is presence. It isn't about what you say as much as how you walk. You can tell a warrior. They don't have to say much. They just have to do. In the movie, The Last Samurai, there is a great scene and it's when we have the the master of the sword, who is now giving the instruction to the American who's captured. And the arrogance of the American is that he can just fight his cavalry way. And the master beats him viciously over a process of engaged conflicts. But what's amazing about that is it's the resolve of the Calvaryman that catches his eye. Because in spite of the fact that he's beat down, he keeps standing up. Two things are accomplished. The master recognizes a strong will. To survive, the Calvaryman learns respect and humility. All of that's part of our own process as we go forward to understand that we have all been beat down and we've all stood back up. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't the case. The one thing that's interesting about Bars Nation is it began with people that migrated here finding family. So many of them being rejected and holding the line against a tyranny that we thought was impossible to overcome. Many did. We didn't know how it was going to happen. People were faced with impossible choices jobs versus Vax, family versus Vax, even marriages versus Vax. And yet today, most everybody that was here then is here now and stronger. That's something to reflect on and to hold very dear. Since then, we've had a lot of other people join and over the years, we've had an amazing number of people join and and a great expansion. Some may be vax, some may be not, but if you're here, knowing the dialogues that I present and the, the direction that God leads me, you're here because you've got a warrior heart and you're here because whatever got you here after beating, being beaten down, you came here one way or another humbled and you're now here as a warrior, as a shepherd with great strength and growing. You may not know it, you may not always see it, but it's there. When I have people come in and interact here, whether it's the comments, people come into the comments as we do interviews or people have had experience working with members of Bards Nation, I get every single time the same feedback. That is a very unique group. You are different than anybody else I meet because Bards Nation's people are doers and overcomers. And in one way or another, those comments that I get always are said in the same framing. People are impressed. And that isn't to say that to pat yourself on the back and say, great, everybody's impressed. It's the point. It speaks to the character of who is here and what it takes to be here. And that's the nature of survival of where we're going. I was recently talking to a pastor and we were talking about the shows and so forth. And I mentioned that there's a core group of people, and it's not small, that never miss a show. And when that settled in for a moment and they realized that that's 17 shows a week, which is equivalent to 17 sermons a week in one form and another, their jaw dropped. And they were proud of their congregation. And they said, we don't have anybody here that's that dedicated. I said, well, now you're starting to understand what we have. You may not see it. It doesn't stand in the walls of dead stone, dead stones and empty pulpits. It lives in the world because that's where God has called everybody. That's where the real church is. And that's where he wants them. That's where he wants us. Those are things to hang your head on. Those are things to pray on and be grateful for. Those are things to lean on when times seem like they get a little rough. When those days happen and you are exhausted, exhausted, worn out, wondering whether you can make it the next step, and it happens to everybody. When you get to that place and you're really looking at the world and going, I don't know if I want to go on because it's just stupid Jesus take me home. Lean on the fact that God has brought you to a place where your strength is among many. God has walked you on a path where your strength has had a chance to blossom and bloom. And it's only going to get better. Better doesn't mean easier. And I always have to qualify that. Better better doesn't mean a bed of roses. Better doesn't mean that suddenly you go from eating spaghetti to eating steak every night. Better is in the sense of greater in Him. Greater in the greatness of our Father. And that's a pretty tough walk. And I would argue that the deeper we get with him many times, life gets a whole lot more difficult because he knows he can trust in us, because he knows that he needs his warriors and he needs his shepherds, and he knows who he can turn to. And that's what's going to make the difference in this war. This war is not a physical war. This war is truly a spiritual war at its core. And everything begins on the spiritual plane and then manifests in the physical. Sometimes God's path is challenging. Sometimes Satan likes to throw his little bit in there and disrupt our paths. Either way, Father always sees that we will overcome as long as we walk with him and trust in him. We have witnessed the power of what this group can do as we witness it every Friday coming up tomorrow with our Prayer Fridays. An amazing experience where we literally are creating healing through prayer, changing people's lives through prayer. And we're doing it every Friday, not because we're sitting together and putting hands on, but because our hearts are pure and honest when we come to Father. Bars Nation is something... To be reckoned with when it comes to the enemy. The enemy knows. And knowing that, and knowing how strong we are becoming in him, it's important to one, remain humble, two, continue to repent and keep ourselves pure as we can. Three, understand that what comes, what is to come will likely be more challenging than what we've already gone through. But it's the refinement of what we walk through that's prepared us for where we're going. Four, understand that there's a lot of broken people out there and they're broken in many ways. I mentioned this the other night, but I want to re- retouch it again. I was, when I picked up my bees at the at the post office, I sat and I looked at people that were just good people, but every one of them has been somehow damaged by this system and you can see it. It was like I was looking in their souls. That was God's eyes, not mine. And it really was difficult to see. It's not that they were evil. It's that the system and the world in which we live took a toll. Every one of them could be healed, and that's what Father showed me. But every one of them was just trying to get by, just trying to survive to the next paycheck, to the next moment, trying to do their best in a system they didn't understand that was bigger and greater than them. Don't ever underestimate the the wisdom that Father gives us and the power of that wisdom to guide others and to help others. Don't ever underestimate the power of helping someone find the truth. As small as it may seem, that kernel can actually set them free. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer and healing. Or just the power of having a conversation with somebody to recognize them. And don't ever underestimate the power of compassion. The greatest warriors have a deep compassion. A deep one. The warriors that tune that out, they're the ones that are used at the greatest liability. In the best of teams that I've worked with, they'll always say the same thing. Anybody that ever loses that edge, a bit of anxiety and fear before you go into a mission is a liability because they've lost the sense of the intensity of the moment. It's not that they have fear It makes them shake, but it's the edge going in that you're very acutely aware of where you're going into. Same is true with empathy. You can't ever lose empathy. And the minute that we lose empathy for one another, as frustrating as things get, we become no better than them. There's some real evil in this world that needs to be held accountable, completely accountable for the damage and willful destruction that they're doing, especially to the children and the elderly but there's oh so many victims. And even these people that are so broken, watching a person today speak at a county commission meeting, and literally the entire speech was them screaming, literally, like a two-year-old infant. We can mock it. We can judge it. But the fact of the matter is that person's broken. And we need to find a way to heal it. When we lead with that approach on everything we do, a good healer is going to carry that sword of steel on their hip. And they're going to be ruthless if they ever have to draw that sword. But a good healer is going to always reach first for the power of the Holy Spirit. Restore and set back right into kingdom what was broken by the father of lies. And when we walk that way, this enemy has no chance. We may not see the battlefield in terms of victory, but we will see the victories one by one. And though this enemy may continue to hold the high ground of perception, the true victory is going to come from below, from bottom up, from the ground where God's placed each and every one of us and where the fight is the most real. Let's pray. Father, we're very blessed this evening as we come together here tonight to just reflect deeply on this walk that you have us on. We're grateful for this fellowship that is assembled here and one which we see continue to build, to continue connect, and to continue to grow stronger in you. Father, Father, This time is one that we pray for a greater strength in the heart of the many. We pray for the warrior heart to continue to be emboldened. And with that, that means both the intensity and focus of moral righteousness and the empathy and compassion for those that are sick, wounded, or broken. Father, we pray more than ever now for those things that the Holy Spirit can give, the power to heal, the power to cast out demons, the power to raise the dead, and the understanding of what it means to do greater works than he, and not just the understanding, but the ability to achieve it. That's going to come from us. Father, we know being more humble, more honest, more repentant and more enduring to you. So Father, hear our hearts. We present ourselves this evening in a humble way, repenting for the transgressions that we have made, humbling ourselves before you to know that why we are here is because you want us here. And whatever that means to each and every one, we pray that that understanding of mission walk will be given to them, that you'll clarify for each person listening the understanding of the purpose of why we are here. This is not an easy time to live. But then again, I don't know that any time has been easy, nor, has it, nor should it have been. But you've placed us on the battlefield in specific places to be there intentionally. And with our knowing that, we know that the time is coming and is actually here in many ways for us to begin to execute the missions that you need us to for the kingdom victory. So Father, send us, send me. Hear our hearts as we're now ready. And whatever lies before us, we've learned a hard way and, some, and not easy walk. That through all of this, you've never left us, you've never forsaken us, and you've always been there. So we're ready, Father. Even if our hearts hesitate a bit, give us strength to overcome and to remind us that before us is fearlessness, before us is the walk of glory. For Christ gave us the ultimate victory and now we just need to walk it out. Guide us and protect us and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name, amen. Oh, well, patriots, it's an amazing time to be alive when we reflect on the time span of humanity and how big a deal it is to be where we are in this moment, it's difficult, but so is life as it should be. It's hard at times to relate to those that are still asleep. And that's where prayer and wisdom come. But the fact that we can see clearly where others can't is like being on point on a patrol. In the old way, before the advent of night vision, or even in the early days of night vision, there was only one pair of night vision for the entire platoon or squad. And it was he who was on point that had them. He could see clearly to lead everybody on the way. So that's where we are. And there's a whole bunch of people needing to be led. A whole bunch of people that need to be awakened. A whole bunch of people that need to know the greatness of Father and what it means in a time such as this. And that's probably the easiest way to look at where your mission begins. Mission directives come from Father. Mission purpose is pretty clear. Prepare, tighten up the ruck, get ready to move. The world needs to be shown the power and glory of the Holy Spirit, the love and Father, and the amazing miracles brought to us by Jesus. Don't hesitate. Eyes forward and let's go. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. I'll never, never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Tomorrow is Prayer Friday. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
1: Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest dead Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body